We all want to be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I'm your host and yo coach, Brittany King. How are you doing, my friend? And don't give me some weak ass answer like fine or good. We really need to start expanding our emotional vocabulary. So what? What? Do, how are we feeling? Are you feeling joyful? Are you feeling excited? What's going on? What's going on in your world? So as you know, if you listened to the previous episode, I have dedicated my platform to bringing awareness to mental health, um, emotional well-being, everything and anything in between. And I thought, what better way to bring this conversation than inviting on one of my friends and clients who is a mental health advocate, Madeline Stone. Welcome to the show, sis. Thank you. I'm so Super excited to be here. Thank you, Brittany King, for having me. Of course. I'm so excited because you are a true gem, an inspiration, and your vulnerability is for sure your superpower. Just being able to share your journey with mental health and you have dedicated your platform to helping others um, with our time working together. You created a blog called Mad Resilience that is all about mental health and awareness to mental health and what we can do about it. And it just takes a lot of courage to speak up about having mental health. And I hate the word issues. I hate the word disease or illness. Like it just irks me and I hate labeling, but you have had, you have had the courage to speak up about it. And it's so important because The reason why I have felt called this month, especially with Mental Health Awareness Month, is to destigmatize this topic. And I know we've been talking about it and it's like kind of a trendy thing, like normalize mental health. Um, And there's definitely a paradigm shift, but there's still a lot of work to be done. So I kind of figured that bringing you on the show and having a genuine conversation can hopefully spark something in someone else listening that might have felt ashamed to talk about what they're experiencing and ask for help. So that's why we're here. You ready to jam out? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for that introduction. (laughs) Of course. So Mads has been a client of mine for quite some time now, and I've lost track, honestly. Um, I know. And and it's been amazing because I have had the honor and pleasure of watching this girl transform. She went from being a caterpillar in a cocoon and like literally has transformed into a butterfly. Like it has been the most amazing thing. And I just can't believe that I have had a little part in that transformation. So I'm just excited to share her story because I actually did not know this when uh, she reached out to me, but she was really struggling. And usually I can, um, I filter through when I uh, start working with a client to make sure that we're a good fit, make sure that her needs don't fit like the therapy realm um, because coaching and therapy are so different. And I realize now reflecting back when we first started working together, it took her five 
times to actually schedule a call. And then as we reflect on her journey, she was actually doing a lot of that work with therapy before she ended up signing up for coaching. So before we even get into this conversation, like I am not a therapist, Mads is not a therapist. This is strictly for uh, information and experience and storytelling. So if you are struggling and you really need help, we will share resources at the end, but this is not meant to diagnose. This is not meant to treat. This is purely just for information and storytelling. But when Mad started working with me, she had kind of just overcome this like big slump and I'll let her tell her story, but I didn't really know that at the time. She didn't open up about it until way later. And I was just so impressed with um, her strength and courage of what she went through and now how she's helping guide other people through it as well. So Mads, let's share a little bit about your story. Where were you at um, before you started coaching with me? Yeah. So, um, (sighs) wow. So I, my journey with depression really starts when I was a senior in college. My mom had just been diagnosed with breast cancer and being a single parent, I went to school in U of A. My mom was in Chicago. It just really was a lot. It was a lot going on, a lot to handle. And just that year, I really remember starting to feel really down. I was really struggling with my anxiety as well. And it just, that year was really, really hard for me. But that year I never went to get any help. I just kind of pushed it under the rug, pushed it under the rug, said I was fine. I mean, obviously I was sad about my mom, so it made sense, but I never spoke about it. And when you never speak about something, it piles up and it piles up big time, especially when you're not accepting your emotions or working through them, or you have tools to get through the stressful times. So that year was really rough. And then it just escalated from there. Um, I was making bad decisions. I was trying so hard to push everything under the rug that I just, I mean, I was numbing in every way I could. I was drinking excessively to the point of blacking out. Um, I was uh, doing drugs at the time as well. And again, just doing everything to numb my pain. And I just remember, I don't know, it just got worse and worse. And, um, until a breaking point of my 2019 and 2019 was probably my worst year yet. I didn't leave my house. I, was making awful, awful decisions for the person that I was dating at the time, for my friends, for me, my family. I just pushed everyone away and did awful things because I couldn't cope. I was so depressed that I was hurting people around me, again, drinking to the point of numbing myself and really going into isolation till this breaking point of like feeling nothing. I was feeling so, so much. And then I was feeling absolutely nothing. And I would wake up every day and feel nothing at work. I wasn't around friends because those were my like coworkers. So I didn't even have to pretend to be happy. I just wasn't happy. And it was so, so visible. My friends, I would cancel plans all the time. And just, I remember staying at home for, if I wasn't at work, I was at home. And if I was at home, I was in bed either crying or just sleeping, 
couldn't get out of bed, couldn't go for walks. Going to the grocery store was a challenge. Driving was like the worst time ever because I'm listening to music, even though I love music so much, but I'm listening to music and just crying and going, thinking about, oh, I don't want this. Like, I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to, it just was a really, really hard time that, that 2019 was just the point where it was so bad that I was just like, it's either figure something out or end my life because I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Just the pain was so much that I was thinking about this uh, podcast episode yesterday and I almost kind of went back to that feeling of just remembering that feeling of so much hurts that your body aches, like everything, like your, it's almost like your soul hurts. Like it was just so much pain. And how I got to Brittany was I wanted, I didn't, I knew that my life was either going to be over or I was going to fix this. Like there was no in between because I couldn't live like this anymore. I was in so much pain. Like it just wasn't going to be like that anymore. So finally I decided to start listening to podcasts, which is very funny because I don't know how in my head podcast was the answer, but, um, I did try therapy two times. I do want to say that. And, um, did not have the best success, but that was on me more than on them. Um, I just wasn't ready and I wasn't opening up the way I should. So yeah, I listen to podcasts and for some reason, those people on the podcast were talking about all these things and it made me really think about self-care and self-care was my first step to, oh, there is people that care about themselves. There is something better. Like I don't know, doing little things for yourself makes you want to care about yourself and makes you happier. And so I'm listening to all these things. I'm not doing them yet, but I'm listening to them. And that was just the first start. And I've told this story so many times, but it's crazy how vivid these memories are for me. I was laying in bed and I knew it was either, again, it was either living or not living. So I was like, all right, how do I get back to being happy? So I literally took my phone in my bed, lights out and Googled how to be happy because I had forgotten. It's been, it had been five years of feeling like this. Five years is a really long time to feel numb. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, I have to take a step to be happy. And I kept going on that journey of how to be happy. And and now I know that happy is not the answer. I know that now, but when you're so unhappy, it, it just seemed like the right answer. Um, so yeah. And then a f- I don't remember if it was a year or so after that, but that's when I started working with Brittany and everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, even just to be able to share it now and not it bring up ev- like, everything that you experience just shows how much like you've grown and healed from that experience. And even kind of having those thoughts, like you're either living or you're not. And in that moment, you really were not living. You were just, just there. You weren't actually enjoying being alive. And, you know, why do you think it was so hard to ask for help? Oh gosh, this is a question that needs to go back forever (laughs) because mental health has been 
such a taboo topic, such like a a tiptoe topic. Everyone tiptoes around it. Mm -hmm. And if they know someone with depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts, that right there, suicidal thoughts, like, oh my gosh, like you don't want to be not, not associated, but it's scary to talk about. It's scary for people to feel how do they help each other? So it makes this whole taboo of mental health and mental health for honestly, since like the fifties, the thirties, like has been this taboo topic. And what we deal with, with these people that deal with mental health or mental illness, I should say, we just kind of shove them off and just put them, we used to put them in asylums and, and institutions because we didn't know how to handle it. And it makes it so hard for the people with mental health, the people that are actually struggling to then reach out and ask for help. And it's kind of funny. It's like, we need to do the work. Everyone else needs to do the work for the people that are struggling. So they feel comfortable reaching out and asking for help. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I felt so isolated. I mean, depression makes you feel isolated already. And then you needing to be the one to reach out and ask for help is so hard and Mm -hmm. accepting, accepting that you're, there is something better out there, I think is another thing too, because you're in such a state of, you can't get out of bed, you can't feed yourself, you can't bathe. And then you're expected to go out and ask for help. Like it's a lot. Yeah. And that's super interesting because it does go way back. Like if someone was diagnosed with a mental illness, they would put, they would put them in an insane asylum. And so that has been the unconscious bias that we have carried with us. Mm -hmm. And I think having these conversations help at least a little bit, like start to break down these walls that we have built up. I mean, there's like a statistic 44 million American adults have been diagnosed or has experienced some sort of mental health condition. Yes. And I mean that, I mean, and I don't even know exactly when that statistic was when they did that. Cause especially now after um, the pandemic and everything that we experienced in 2020, it's probably even higher now. And, you know, I think that, people don't seek help because of that stigma. And that's where, I mean, that's where the opportunity is Yeah. because, you know, I see it all the time. It's just like the problems that we create in our mind with our thoughts literally create dis-ease in our body because that mind-body connection, and then it gets so much without allowing yourself to process it, you go numb because you have like pushed it away or put it in a little box and ignored it, but it just builds up, builds up, builds up until you reach that breaking point that you talked about. Yeah. Well, think about, this is a comparison. Think about when someone in a family, like if someone has someone pass away, how many times when you speak to that person, do you think beforehand, oh, what do I say? Like, how do I approach this situation? I don't know what to say. What's the best thing to say? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like for people with ment- or that are struggling with mental health as well. Mm-hmm. People don't know what to say to them. People don't know how to reach out and help those people, mm-hmm. even though they need to, and they should. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this, oh, I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to say anything at all. And that's mm-hmm. not the right approach. That's not going to help that person. So Right. And if we are able to have this conversation, 
and, and we're aware of the signs of if someone is struggling, we are able to intervene and ask mm-hmm. the right question. So they, so someone can get the help that they need and in a way just be preventative because I know, you know, our society is very reactive. Like we wait until there is a problem to do something about, yes, do something about it. Cause we're like, Oh, don't know what happens until it happens. But there's all of these warning signs building up, building up, building up. But I think if we had just a more um, inviting, <laughs> inviting environment, community, societal space that we were having these conversations regularly, it wouldn't have to get to that point. And then also just having, you know, the resources out there to know that you're not alone and it doesn't have to be so isolating. And so many people are experiencing this right now. So finding that space, that safe space to be heard and understood, and then be able to ask for help. So do you feel like that's kind of where you were at? Did you feel safe enough to ask for help? Because I feel like a big part of it is just not feeling safe to be like, Hey, I need help. Like what's going to happen if I ask for help, what are they going to do to me? Well, I think that I personally have my own, um, dilemmas with, um, just speaking my mind in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I feel that way anymore, but I know I did for sure. No, I actually still feel that way. Cause there are times where I'm still upset or I'm still frustrated. And those times are are really, really hard for me to reach out. And I think it's brings it back to society because I think, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought it was so interesting how at the beginning of this podcast, you said you are asking people, how are you? But you're saying no, but deeper. I actually hate the question. How are you? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the fakest question ever because no one really wants to hear your answer or no one's waiting for your answer. They're just like, Oh, how are you? Okay. Bye. Yeah. It's always like, fine. Good. Like you're never going to get the actual emotion that someone is feeling. I know it's, it's so um, it's interesting. And then I feel like if you actually need to say how you are almost, it kind of puts the burden on the person of, Oh, well, I want to say how I am, but this person is rushing off or they're going to get annoyed mm-hmm. that I actually need to talk. You know, I feel like there's this disconnect of like really, truly getting to know people. And I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't have to truly get to know every single person you come in contact with, but you do have a group, you have family you have some friends, usually people do, usually people have some kind of community. And those are the people that you need to be checking in on. Those are the people that you need to go deeper and really hone in on, oh, is this their normal behavior? Oh, is she isolating herself more than usual? Or, oh, is is this a fake smile? Is she eating? Is she, why is she sick all the time? Like those kind of things. I feel like those are little things that you can check in with your friends and check in with your family and just ask the deeper, more purposeful questions. And I know that I went on a tangent there and did not answer your question, but that just made me think of that because I don't know. I just feel like we need to dive deeper into our relationships with people and mm-hmm. really I don't know, because there is warning signs to depression. There is warning signs to suicide and they're not always obvious. I will say that there's depression has a bajillion and one symptoms. I mean, and everything is going to be different for everyone. I just think that if you really stop 
and pay attention mm-hmm. that you can see warning signs or you can just question it, you know? Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, when we talk about depression, you know, it's, and I kind of said this earlier, like I get so with like labels, I get kind of, I'm like, I hate labeling things because like we wear it. And I think that's because like being diagnosed with ADHD, it was like, that was my label and I wore it, but it was like, someone gave me that label. Right. And then obviously there's clinical depression and that's different. And that's very subjective. Um, and I don't think labels serve us in that way. But the thing about depression is there's so much shame around it. Like someone saying that they're experiencing depression, you know, whenever someone says it, they say it in like a hushed tone, or you can just tell by their body language. And I think that it's such a vicious spiral when you are feeling shame about being depressed. Like that's as bad as it gets. Cause if you are experiencing depression and then you're depressed about your depression and then you have shame about your depression and then you think there's something wrong with you. Cause that's what shame is like, what's wrong with you. And it's like, there's nothing wrong because when you're experiencing depression, it's starting with your brain. It's starting in your mind with the mm-hmm. thoughts that you have. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like, why do you think that there is so much shame around someone saying that I have depression and then I'll kind of share what I think? Yeah. Well, I just think that again, it's because of the mental health taboo, but also I just think that kind of what you were saying before, it's so isolating. You feel so alone and you have this label and it's almost like, I read this before and I totally um, like resonate with it is you're like swimming and your head is just above water, but like you can't get out. And it's like you, you feel broken. You really do. And I know that that's not, I know now that that's not possible, but I didn't know that then I had no idea. Like people think that they're broken and defective because they're depressed. Right. Literally felt felt like something was wrong with me. Like, what is wrong? Why am I, why can I every day wake up and feel pain? Like, I, I just wish so much I can like show you how I felt because you just feel like something's wrong with you. You feel like you're never going to be happy again. You're never going to smile again. You're, you're just never going to be normal again. And I, I hate that word normal. I hate it. I just use yeah. that. But, <laughs> right. but I mean, it's like, that is so important to bring up because it's like, I mean, raise your hand if you're listening, if you've ever thought that something's wrong with you. And then you ask yourself what's wrong with me. And then your brain, cause it loves to answer questions. is going to give you the very long laundry list of all of the things that are wrong. And so that's how we know, like, that's literally how we know that, that experience of depression is going, it's in our, it's in our mind at first, right? It like starts in our mind and your brain is not you. So that's how you know that, that there's nothing wrong because it's not you. Yeah. One of my friends reached out to me one time and said, am I ever going to heal from this depression? Is this going to be something that is along with, for me, for the rest of my life? And I said, actually clinic like scientifically yes depression is a chemical imbalance in your brain Mm -hmm. 
It is nothing that you did. Yes, you can fix the how you approach it, but technically, no. Like it's just a chemical imbalance in your brain. Mm-hmm. But the good news is, is you can work and you can use all these amazing tools that are out there for you, and you can change how your brain kind of approaches depression. I guess that's how I should say. I don't know if that makes sense, but there are so many things out there that that you can use and you can implement that allow you to wake up every day and not feel the pain and be able to get out of bed and go to work and shower and make healthy food. And I don't know, just there's so many things out there, but technically your brain is always going to have that, but you will not feel it as much anymore, I guess I should say. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as being someone, you kind of mentioned this like emptiness Mm -hmm. and not being able to feel and being numb. You know, there's a part of me that believes that that depression is like the breaking point of avoiding or resisting emotions for so long. So if you experience some very intense emotions that you were avoiding or pushing away or putting in a box and like pretending like it wasn't there, like that emptiness is almost just not being able to actually feel or process the vibration that's going through your body that comes from the way that you're thinking. So if you're having these thoughts and you can't feel anything, there's a huge disconnect, yeah. right? Cause it's like, it's not, Oh, it's like not necessarily about feeling sad, right? It's just that emptiness of where the emotion would be. So mm-hmm. it's not even like a negative emotion. It's just that numbness, that nothingness, the helplessness, the hope hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And it's being able to really shift from that place. Now, I kind of want to shift into, you know, what not to say, because I did an episode on toxic positivity and I was a huge offender in toxic positivity. I didn't even realize that my positivity at, even though it is a superpower, it is also can be a shadow and toxic positivity is downplaying, not validating someone's experience. And that can find, like, we live in a society. If someone's in pain, we want them to get out of it. We're like, Oh my God, let me fix it without actually acknowledging that you're going through a hard time. And so I know that there are things that I've learned through, I mean, a lot of inner work and reflection and then going through my own trauma and, and experiences with, um, feeling very low, like the things that I'm like, when people say, I want to like whack them in the throat and then realizing like, Oh shit, I have definitely said those things before. So it's just having that awareness and, um, reflection on those conversations. So what are some things not to say if someone is experiencing depression? or just experiencing any sort of mental health condition? Yeah. So obviously I talk a lot about depression, but this kind of goes for any mental illness or something like that. But um, before I get into that, I just want to say like, that's awesome and like beautiful that you were able to recognize like that you were a part of toxic positivity because I know a lot of people that are and I think that they just think, oh, I'm positive. Like I can mask it, whatever. But it's really beautiful that you're able to recognize that, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had like a a big awakening to that. And now it's just the awareness because I've realized, and this is, you know, if if you have been the type of person to be like, it's okay, cheer up. Like keep your chin up. Everything's going to be okay. Look, at least the sun is shining. You know, it's okay. Acknowledge it. But it's more just allowing someone to be heard and 
and, and understood and really what the toxic positivity is. And when I had my miscarriage, I really experienced this on the other end. And I think that that's one of the reasons, you know, the miscarriage really made me more emotionally well-rounded. It's the other person's discomfort. So like they're projecting their discomfort on you by telling you things that they need to hear because they're uncomfortable by like where you're at. And that's what we have to shift the conversation around is like, we need to just get over being comfortable. Like we don't need to be fucking comfortable all the time. Like being uncomfortable is actually the way through all of this because the reason why we're kind of assholes is because we don't want to compromise our comfort. Honestly, what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. So the first one I, I have is actually think positive. These are things not to say. Yeah. Think positive because when you're depressed, that will never, ever work. And then saying other people have it way worse. Don't say that. (laughs) Or at least, oh my God, if you start a sentence with at least. I literally have at least. I catch myself now. I'll be like, at least I'm like, girl, shut up. What? No, everyone's pot. No, I cannot stand that. (laughs) At least. Oh my God. The amount of times I heard, at least, you know, you can get pregnant. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not. So, so how is that? Help? Like, <laughs> gosh, yeah. I can't. And then it's just a phase is really not something that you should say to someone with um, suicidal thoughts or mental health or mental illness, because it doesn't feel like a phase. It feels like part of you. And even though, yes, maybe it is a phase at the time, they will never, ever accept that. So do not say that. Um and then you have nothing to be sad about because okay. blah, 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 blah. Um, like that kind of mentality of, oh, you have everything. Well, like, no, depression happens to everyone and mental illness can happen to anyone. So yeah, don't say yeah. that. Um, but I do want to offer up some better things to say. Yeah. What, what would be helpful for people um, if they get uncomfortable by this conversation? Yeah. Um, so better things to say is you are so loved by me showing that you value them and you are loved by them. Um, you are not alone. Validate their feelings saying it's okay to not feel okay. Cause we all know every emotion is okay. Offering them to go for a walk or sit with them, go outside Watching something funny um, might help get them out of the mood. Um, and then just offering to sit with them with no talking required. Because when you're feeling, I just remember so many times how much I wanted just someone to sit with me, literally just sit in my bed. And I didn't want to have to talk to them. I didn't want to have to explain or talk about my depression because I wasn't ready. And sometimes I didn't even know how, like what to say or what I was feeling. I just, cause I didn't feel anything a lot of the times. So just having someone sit with me and that's what I, I think I wish I had the most, just showing that you're there for them, but not asking always what they need because a lot of the times they don't know what they need. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I have found is like, you know, I think of if I, you know, the roles are reversed, like what I would want to hear. And it's just that validating of like, I hear you. Yeah. And, you know, there, it might not, 
it might not be where you want to be right now, but like you're, you're supported and held and loved. I think that that is one of the best things that you can say, especially if you don't know what to say, you can even say, I don't know what to say, but I'm just here. And that to me is like one of the best ways to, to help someone because yeah, asking someone what they need, if they knew what they needed, they would probably do something about it. Right. Right. Like I think for you, you had that experience um, and you finally got to a place of being like the, the pain of being here is worse than doing something about this. So you did, but not everybody has that experience and it's important to know that they're not alone. Also, I think that, um, getting, comfortable with silence is actually very good because, um, I know that for a fact, I wasn't always, um, comfortable with silence, but it's what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, I just needed someone to sit with me. My sister was like my gift during this whole time. And she just would sit on the phone or send me text messages, reminding me that she loves me. She's there for me because she was in a different state. So she couldn't sit with me, but Uh Yeah, just being okay with silence, I think goes a a long way and just being there for that person. Yeah, absolutely. So would you say like, some ways that you shifted out, like, you know, some of the work that we did was very, um, you know, we focused on core values. But I, I think one of the activities that I remember really standing out to you was your vision. So would you say that, you know, visualizing a better future for yourself was really helpful in shifting your mindset, like being like, oh, they're like using your imagination for the direction that you want to go, even if you didn't believe it was possible? Yeah, yes and no. Um, I think that it serves a purpose a little bit later in the healing process of depression, But I think that when you're like really in it, you can't visualize where you want yourself to go or anything. I think that's really where you need to start. If you can't fathom picking up a book, listening to a book or listening to a podcast, because those are, you're listening to other people's visions and other people's whatever, which kind of starts to get you into that place of visualization and visualizing that there is better or, oh, this person can do this or this person did this. And um, I think at the early stages of depression, I think that's really important. But yes, I mean, visualization now is like my favorite thing ever. And I've transformed my life because of that and really opened up to where I can go. But yeah, at the early stages, like listening to positive podcast listening to books, just kind of filling your mind with that because it is like, it is being able to create new thoughts, Mm -hmm. even if they're not your own in the beginning, like filling your mind with things that will shift because our thoughts do create that vibration in our body. So it's like, if you can fill your mind with positivity, um, it will, and you have that experience, it like helped you really shift. And that's all it really, I mean, in that moment, it probably felt like it took so much, but just Mm -hmm. those small, little steps. Um, they make such a big difference. Yeah. And I mean, so tell me, you know, we, we started with gratitude. Would you say like being able to look at the little things that you appreciate in life? Like, was that helpful? Yeah. So my suggestion for people, um, in the healing process is number one, go to therapy, find a good therapist. Um, and it doesn't always happen on the first therapist. You can shop around if you want, it's totally okay. Um, but therapy is number one to help 
with depression and anxiety and all really mental illnesses. Um, the next thing that I suggest is um, starting very simple, meaning this is actually one of the first things I did with you, Brittany, was starting simple, being taking a shower, making your bed, changing your clothes. And I know these sound so silly, but it's the little they, things. It, it is. And they show you, they get yourself in the mindset of, I am caring for myself. Mm-hmm. Even if you're making your bed and then getting right back in it or laying on top of the made bed, you made your bed that day. That is a success. That is amazing. Um, so those little steps, I highly suggest yeah, um, getting dressed. Yes. Showering. Even if you just put on a pair of clothes and you stay home, mm-hmm. at least you got dressed that day. That is a huge win. You know, and maybe you put on something that you like and you think you look cute in, and then you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, damn, I look good. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just definitely, oh, um, also hydrating, staying hydrated, saying, mm-hmm. all right, I am going to drink two bottles of water today or three bottles of water. Even that little step is really important. Um, then the next thing I suggest is moving your body. And moving your body can mean anything. It can be stretching. It can be going for a walk. It can be doing a solo dance party, which I love very much. Um, Anything. But the next thing is getting outside and getting in the sun. Um, It's super important and it will definitely help your mood. And then the next one is start practicing gratitude. And that is a Brittany King special. I mean, I can't really take full credit for it, but you know, people do associate gratitude because I talk about it all the time, but I'll take the credit for this one. You showed me gratitude or you, I entered, I introduced you to the power of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Again, when you are in a depression, gratitude can start small. Gratitude can be, I'm grateful that I have a pillow to put my head on. I am grateful that I have a shower to clean my body with. I have lungs. I have hair. It can be literally anything. I have eyes to see. Um, And I think starting with simple things like that, you can then scale it up. And you will see that you do have things to be grateful for and you are important. And then the last thing, um, I talk about this a lot and I do have a blog post about this is habits and routine, morning routine, night routine, and then healthy habits are game changers. Those are amazing. And that's, that's for everybody and anyone listening. Like it's really the little things and how we take care of ourselves. And the reason why this is so important, it's because it gets you in a clean, clear headspace. So when you take care of yourself and you practice gratitude, you're thinking thoughts that can create a better vibration in your body. That's going to have you take actions that you want to create the results that you want in your life. Like that's why we do what we do. Like we take care of ourselves in these ways. We move our bodies. We do gratitude. All of that is to prime our mind to really be thinking on purpose, like really think on purpose because that's, what's going to create the, the results that you want in your life. And forgot to mention this earlier, but looking at like, emo- like modern emotional well-being, I think a lot of times it's easy to get 
stuff, like go into the spiral of thinking something's wrong and we're broken because God bless social media and everything that we see, but we're really sold on this idea that everybody is happy all the time and just like living their best freaking life. And then we look at our own lives and we're like, oh my God, why do they have it? And I don't. And then it's really easy to spiral. So we're seeing all these things. And even though we might know it intellectually, we're still like the primitive part of our brain is like really latching onto it. And it's easy to feel down when we see that because we have thoughts that are not very, they're not creating uh, a high vibration in our body. So it's just being really aware of like the, the habits that we have in place and what those habits do for our emotional and, and mental well being across, I mean, all levels. Like it's just so important to look at what we do and how it makes us feel because the thoughts about what we do are going to create how we feel and realize that the point of life is not to be happy. Yes. And like, y'all, I know you're listening. You're like, Brittany, you're the happiest person. And I'm like, I'm not, I, I mean, I am, I'm very, very happy. However, I also have allowed myself to experience the contrast. And I think that that's where we get confused is we don't see the people experiencing the contrast. So we don't get it that someone has what we don't have. No, we're all humans and we all experience 50% positive and 50% negative emotions. So it's really up to us to understand that we're going to have these, this experience. And that's what it means to be a human. And I also think that going off of what you're saying is, um, more on kind of like the, um, healing depression side is also healing is not a linear process. Mm -hmm. And it, again, even I try so, so hard to show on social media, the, other side of like the good times and the bad times. So if I'm on there saying I cried all the time or I'm crying and blah, 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 that's because I want you to see that I am, I think two years out of my depression and I'm still every single day learning and still trying to heal my, and I forever will be healing. And that's, I think really important for people to know is it is not linear. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs and that's okay. But your downs, if you're, if you have these things in place, these tools, I say in place, your downs won't feel as detrimental and they won't feel as hard. They're still going to feel shitty, but they won't feel as shitty. (laughs) Yeah, really riding that process and kind of going off what you said, don't look at social media and think everyone's life is perfect because that is not true at all. And if you are in the healing process and you're having bad days and you're feeling really, really good, and then you have a few bad days in a row, that's completely normal. And just that we're just being humans. Yeah. We can feel the contrast of the God bless, God bless, inside out, best movie ever. Best movie ever, but it really helps paint a beautiful picture in, you know, Pixar fashion of understanding that you cannot have happiness. You cannot have joy without sadness. Mm -hmm. And it is important to like, be able to move back and forth through those emotions, knowing that like, you can really live in all of the magnificence that life has to offer. If you allow yourself to feel both Mm -hmm. and knowing that you're safe to feel and knowing that there are people out there that love and will support you, even if they don't know you. So I hope that this conversation has 
you know, shifted something, just being able to say, Hey, I don't got it. I need help. And knowing that there is nothing wrong with asking for help. The resources are, I mean, are limitless. Like there are so many resources and so many people that care because the way that we really take care of this world is by taking care of each other and taking care of our, our mental and emotional well-being. Because if we take care of our mental and emotional well-being, we can show up for others that need that support. And like, we're all connected in that way. We are all connected living this human experience. So, uh, Mad, thank you so much for sharing and being so brave and like you tell your story so beautifully. And, um, I know that someone listening, you have made an impact on them just by being you. So thank you so, so, so much. I will make sure that I link your blog, Mad Resilience in the show notes and your Instagram in case anyone wants to follow along on Mad's journey. She posts very, very, very inspirational stuff, but she's also keeps it very real. So she like shows the whole spectrum of mental well-being. So thank you for doing that and sharing. Thank you very much. I just want to share two last things. If you're struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, please reach out to me. I would love, love to chat. And I created this blog to, cause I felt so alone in that time. So yeah, I created this blog. So if you're out there, you're not alone and I see you. And yeah, my last thing is I am obsessed with Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you are too, Britt. Um, her book Untamed. She has this quote in the book and it's amazing for people that are struggling with depression. And again, you feel so broken during that time. And it talks about how your heart is full and your heart is beating and it beats blood through your whole body. And you know that you're full because your heart is still beating. So something that I do quite often and I love doing it is do it with me, Brittany, put your hands at your chest Feel your heartbeat, close your eyes, feel your heartbeat, feel your chest rise and fall. You can do it again, breathe in. And you know you're full and you know you're whole. Yes. There is no more wholeness or worthiness or enoughness that you could possibly be because this is, this is enough. You are whole no matter what, how broken you feel, your heart still beats. So you're whole. You are whole. Thank you, Mad, so much love for you. And thank you for sharing because someone out there that might not feel their best right now, like you might have just given them a little bit of hope. And um, yeah, that is, that's what we're here for. Thanks for having me, B. All right, my friend, how amazing is Madeline Stone? I swear every time she shares her story, her bright light shines a little bit brighter and more powerfully. I just love that girl so much. If you're curious about her blog, I have linked it in the show notes so you can check out madsresilience.com. 
And if you are enjoying the Be Kind to Your Mind Challenge, uh, make sure you send me a little message. Let me know which practices have resonated the best with you. Um, If you're not signed up yet, no worries. You can sign up. Link is in the bio. Lots of great stuff. Not link in the bio. Link in the show notes. My bad. Um, And the last thing is I have one spot available for the rest of May for one-on-one coaching. So if you've been curious about how coaching works, send me a little message. Let's hop on a free call. We can see if what you're looking for, I can help you with, and then we can go from there. Um, I would love nothing more than to help you grow through what you're going through, my friend. I am here for you. So lots of good stuff going on. Make sure you check out the show notes for all of the respective links. And I hope that you are having a beautiful, beautiful day. And I hope that you find a little bit of light and joy in your week as well. All right, my friend, until next time, remember to love yourself, own your happiness, and let your light shine because you're so worthy of it, my friend. Until next time.